Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson as always. I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Hump Day edition of The Yard. Hope things are well with you wherever you are today. It is National Signing Day, and it's it's been one of those days, too, where it hasn't been a downer, but there were some questions about some things that took place today, and so I'm going to do my best to explain that. And Listen, we're going to take as much time as we need to to make sure that you guys fully understand what's taking place uh, with Katravian Hargrove. Uh, he is a Bulldog. Okay, so let's go ahead and get that established. He is a Bulldog, Ty Cooper Bulldog. We're going to break both of those things down and kind of talk about uh, where we go from here, what the rankings look like, uh, how we feel about what's left to go. Because you'd say, you know what, Steve, it's National Signing Day. The, the class is in the books. Well, no, not necessarily. Still got some room to work with there. So we'll break all that down today. We'll also talk about the, uh, you know, the, the flip-flop in Fayetteville last night on the basketball court. I've got some really strong feelings about all of this, and I'm, I'm going to share that with you much later in the show. But, um, you know, listen, there is some growing frustration out there for everybody when it comes to, uh, to men's basketball. And uh, that is evident on social media and the message boards and things like that. And, you know, I, I don't know that there are any easy solutions right now. You know, people would say, well, Steve, you know, it, yeah, there's an easy solution. We need to make a coaching change. I, I just don't think financially we can afford to do that. And what I mean by that is, is, you know, Ben Howland was extended after the NCAA tournament run, given a four-year contract. I understand we didn't roll him over last year. I suspect we won't roll him over this year. And so you won't have that contract extension or whatever. And so that gives you a couple of years uh, to work with and re- reduction in the buyout there. And then you see what happens next year. But, uh, you know, listen, I don't know if people fully appreciate this. And I know there are a lot of people out there that have strong opinions. And it comes from a good place, right? I mean, it comes from the fact that you love Mississippi State. You want Mississippi State to be successful in all fields of play. I do too. So we share that. But I think it's also important, you know, to kind of understand that uh, – you know, we are in the middle of a global pandemic, and as much as you, we all kind of griped and complained about attendance for football and basketball and things like that, not that we've ever been up against the threshold for basketball attendance, but that loss of revenue comes home to roost. And so when you can't pack out a football stadium and have, you know, 60,000 people in there buying hot dogs and buying drinks and spending money on campus and things of that nature, uh, that shortfall comes pretty quick and so we're operating in a really negative situation around the country when it comes to athletic department budgets and so it just may not be the prudent move financially and you say well steve you know that shouldn't matter we get these you know hundreds of millions of dollars and all that sort of stuff from the espn network and all that sort of stuff sec network yeah it's true but that money's already allocated it's not like it's a bonus you know it's not like it's a, a christmas bonus that we just you know hey we've got this big operating budget oh well here's a bunch of you know here's tens of millions of dollars that money is already budgeted your bowl money is already budgeted we, we budget a bowl game into the operating funds of the athletic department and i think it's important that people understand that you know that money for all intents and purposes is already spent once that check is written your athletic department, your university already has, you know, there's some checks and balances in there, but uh, there's a GL ledger sheet that we all, you know, aren't privy to that uh, has a lot of responsibilities. Yes, the things you think about too, there's a lot of non-revenue producing sports that, um, that need new uniforms, that need new equipment, 
that need all kinds of stuff, you know, to kind of make sure that uh, they operate and have a competitive advantage as best they can. You know, Mississippi State softball is uh, ranked in top 25 again. Do you want to walk down there to the softball uh, diamond at, at News Park and tell Samantha Ricketts, you know what, Coach, uh, we're not going to be able to get you new ba- new uh, uniforms for your team this year. You're going to have to make do with what you have because we're going to have to take some of that money we were expected to pay your team to go pay a buyout for a coach for another sport. I wouldn't be happy with that. I would I would begin to think, you know what, I'm not appreciated here. You know, my, my sport, while it is a uh, you know minor sport, it's a major sport to me. It's a major sport to my student athletes. So why should my student athletes have to be uh, you know treated secondhand so you can uh, you know make an adjustment or a change with a revenue producing sport? And some would say, well, you know, well they they make the money. You know, well guys, look, you know, you, you think we're making money in men's basketball? I mean, come on. That's that's not been a big money maker for us for years. Then you factor in the fact that, uh, you know, there's a lot of you know, people not showing up and not buying concession revenue. It, it all matters. It does. I mean, it's like we don't, we don't live in this vacuum where this just, you know, we're printing money, you know, in the, uh, in the basement of Humphrey Coliseum. That money's got to come from somewhere. So, there, you know, there's been a lot of athletic departments around the country that have had, you know, several layoffs. There have been some schools that have eliminated sports. You know, that they've just cut some sports from, uh, you know, the programs that they offer because of financial situations. We haven't done that. You know, we haven't had widespread layoffs within the athletic department. That hadn't happened. And that's a lot of that's because we've had some great stewards of the, the university's resources for a long time. You know, Larry Templeton, you know, probably maybe the best thing you can say about Larry is that Larry always made sure we had a balanced budget. You know, Larry did not leave Mississippi State in a bad spot. Now, you can say, well, you know what, Larry wasn't really as aggressive as some other people, uh, and that may be true, but Larry also didn't have the benefit of the SEC network. But Larry Templeton, Greg Byrne, Scott Strickland, John Cohen, good stewards of your money. And so they've got this big rainy day fund, and so they've been able to kind of use some of that to kind of offset some of the shortfall, which has prevented us from having to lay off a bunch of people. And so I just don't know if it makes a lot of sense to make a move right now because of the fact that, uh, you know, money's a little bit scarce. And you can say, well, Steve, I don't understand that. I don't understand. You know, it's not a business per se, you know, because it's almost run like a nonprofit. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, you make some money and you put away for a rainy day fund. But by and large, you spend what you make. Money comes in and then we go make a, uh, you know, we go make an advancement or a facility upgrade somewhere else. And more times than not, we're having to get on the phone and beg you guys to come, you know, be part of that. It's not like we've got an unlimited amount of money. And I know it gets emotional. And many of you say, you know what, there's no way I can sit another year of this. I get it. But I think it's important to understand the economics behind that decision. Speaking of economics, you can save some money and you can get absolutely full to the gills at Bulldog Burger Company. Great people, part of a great family of restaurants that have served the Golden Triangle for many, many, many years. Go by, have the spring rolls, have a great restaurant-quality hamburger, get that chocolate shake to go. You'll, you'll be glad you did. I mean, it's a great dining experience. You're going you're to love it. And uh, if you're looking for a place to go congregate, maybe have date night or you know, boys' night or girls' night or whatever, if you want to get out and go have a good time having an adult beverage, you can do that too. It's a family place, but it's also a place people can go and kind of let their hair down a little bit. 
Two locations now to serve you right here on University Drive in Star Vegas and on Gloucester Street there in Tupelo. Two great buildings, two great locations, one great menu. You'll enjoy it. Go by, check it out. Boiler Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right, let's get into signing day. A lot to talk about. So Mississippi State announces one signee today. And it should come as no surprise, but I'll be honest with you, as I watched that video feed, Robbie Falk, our colleague from 247 Sports, went down there, covered that for us. As a matter of fact, you can go watch video of Ty Cooper's announcement on jeanspage.com right now for free. Also got three stories about Ty Cooper, also for free. Ty talks about his decision. We give a scouting report, and then we have an interview with Coach Tyrone Shorter. So I believe we have covered I don't know if we've done – a four-story commitment on a guy in a long time. You know, four stories about one guy, but it is his day. We wanted to celebrate the day. And, uh, yeah, I actually crystal balled uh, tie back to Mississippi State, uh, you know, back shortly after he was offered. There was a lot of discussion the day that Mississippi State offered that uh, he might go home, talk to his family, and go ahead and commit. Because, you know, they grew up cheering for Mississippi State. So there was a lot of discussion about that. And, listen, I give Ole Miss and Deke Adams and those guys a lot of credit for slowing things down. But in the end, this went the way we expected it to go. It took longer than we hoped that it would. But in the end, we get the player we wanted. We get the number one defensive line prospect in the state of Mississippi this year. And it's not close, not a great year in state. But, listen, Ty Cooper – would have been a uh, elite defensive lineman in the state in any year. I don't agree with his uh, ranking, to be honest with you. I think he probably should have moved up a couple of spots. He is a top 20 player. He also made the clarion ledger, Danity Dozen. I think he's a top 10 player in the state. I think he'll show that over the course of his career. This is a guy, Danity Dozen guy, made the Miss Owl game, played well in a Miss Owl game, and led his team to two state championships, including one this year. That's a winner, guy from a winning program, guy with SEC size, guy with SEC explosiveness. You know, and one of the things, too, that, you know, watching him on film, you can see that he's a very disruptive pass rusher. Even if he can't quite get there, you know, he kind of hurries the quarterback a little bit and kind of puts him into, an, you know, some indecision and uh, forces him to get rid of the ball perhaps before a route has been fully realized. And so you, you, you kind of interrupt the timing of the play there. And so while it doesn't show up in a stat sheet, it uh, brings on the punt team. And so I like him. And people always say, well, Steve, who do you compare him to? You know, I, I like Paul Jones's comparison to Marquis Spencer. I think Marquise might be a little thicker. You know what? And I think time might be a little, a, little, a little quicker off the ball. But I like the comparison. I think from a body style standpoint, that, that's probably similar. And what's Ty going to look like after a year or two in the weight room? You know what I'm saying? That's the thing, too, about projecting players. I think a lot of people kind of forget. is we look at guys and say, okay, well, here, here's where he is. Okay, what's he going to look like with 25 pounds on him? Because that's how you have to look at these things. Some of these guys don't have the frame to accommodate that weight and then maintain their same level of athleticism. And those, that's the part of the evaluation process. It's, okay, what's going to happen and when we get this guy in a college weight room and he begins to kind of expand his frame a little bit and pack on some pounds, what's that going to do to his dexterity? What's it going to do to his foot speed? And, and I don't know if this is, is breaking news to many of you, but I'm going to share it with you as best I can. This is not reflective of Ty Cooper, okay? But I'm just going to mention this because I think it's important. You know, a lot of times we see these guys and they're like, oh, they're so bone rail skinny or whatever. And you know what? That's part of the process. 
But also, here's the deal, too. I don't know if you know this, but uh, many of these guys aren't getting three meals a day. A lot of kids in Mississippi aren't eating nearly as good as your kids. And so all of a sudden, they're getting three meals a day. They have a nutrition team that kind of builds a diet around their needs, and they put them on a plan you know, to kind of best uh, pack on good weight on their frame. And so they add the mass needed to really handle the rigors of the SEC. And so when you look at these guys, kind of understand that. What are they going to look like with 25 pounds on them? And in some cases, more than that. Ty Cooper's the guy that already knows where the weight room is. He's already eating good. Okay, He's already kind of a long and thick and athletic guy. Uh, so I expect him to come in and do a great job for Mississippi State. I think you will, too. I think you're going to be really glad you got him. And I think a lot of this, too, is there's a lot of relief with this one, even though Ole Miss hadn't really pursued him since firing Deke Adams. And I've got some friends in the media that uh, every day, hey, Steve, you still feel good about Ty Cooper? Yeah, I do. Oh, I don't. Well, why don't I just don't. Is there any reasoning for that? No, I just don't feel good about it. I'm just so afraid that Ole Miss is going to come in late and flip him. And listen, we're a little gun-shy with that, right? I mean, we've seen it happen. But as I mentioned to somebody, I won't mention their name, and I said, you know, he said, well, they got this new D-line coach up there. And I said, listen, if they can bring a D-line coach in here that has never played or coached in the SEC, if he can come in and flip a kid in a week's time to a school that doesn't produce defensive linemen, he is the greatest recruiter in the history of the world. But I get it. You know, a lot of people say, well, you know, Steve, you don't understand it's not always about the coaches. Listen, I, I get it. I probably get it more than most. It's not always the guys on the sidelines in the polos that are making the call on this stuff. I get it. I'm not a Pollyanna. I know how the world works, especially with college football recruiting. But this thing's been over for a while. And this is really a situation, too, where I think Ty Cooper had some people in his life on both sides of the rivalry, and he really didn't want to disappoint anybody. But he wanted to go to Mississippi State. He said that all along, but he was kind of guarded in his words. And even when I interviewed him last week, you know, he's sitting there telling me, well, I'm still hearing from everybody in my top eight. This is my top eight. And, he's, and really, he's a little bit disingenuous with that. But, you know, it's, it's, he's got a signing day announcement coming up. He's trying to protect the integrity of the announcement. So you go out there and you put a half dozen hats up there and you pick Mississippi State. But I'll be honest with you, for a minute there, for a brief second, I thought, wait a minute, is that a Myrna White hat? Is it? Yeah. Okay, yeah, it is. Okay, we're good. We're good. And I think Ty Cooper is going to be a great player for Mississippi State. Really do. I also know that there are many people, too, that um, kind of feel like, you know what, man, every time we recruit some kid from Louisville, there's always a little bit of drama. And you know what? That's a fair assessment. That's a fair assessment. I don't know what's happening in Winston County. Robbie Falk, stand up. But, uh, you know, this one took a long time to get settled. It ended well. But, you know, we had the Charles Moore situation, a guy that was committed to us for two years, and then, you know, things went awry with him. You know, Denise Timms comes in here and uh, is an incredible player. Uh, didn't finish his career here. But, uh, you know, we just, we've just we had some issues there. Dante Jones was a guy that we committed very early, and he ended up having to go to prep school and comes back. He's a little bit overweight. Uh, I think Ty Cooper is going to kind of change the perception of the Louisville Wildcat high school football player as it relates to Mississippi State. Because I think that he is a good fit for us, and I think we're a good fit for him. And I think that he is a guy that fits this scheme. Zach Arnett will know how to use him. Jeff Phelps will know how to develop him. 
And so this is a guy we can be excited about. And again, that's all we're celebrating today as far as official signees is Ty Cooper. There's some other people out there picked up a couple spots here or there. Uh, you know, we just get the one. And, uh, you know, we had another commitment, of course, and I want to address that a little bit later in the show. But, you know, I think it's one of those deals where you look at this and you say, you know what, it's not so much the elation of getting Ty Cooper. It's kind of the relief of not losing Ty Cooper. Because everybody has said throughout the process, it makes no sense for us to lose a guy 30 minutes down the road that grew up a Mississippi State guy. Now, it wasn't too far, uh, too much further to French camp, right? Uh, C.J. Johnson did sign with Northwestern today. Uh, not really a surprise to anybody. A disappointment. I mean, you know, a guy grows up, you know, wearing a Chris Ralph jersey and that sort of stuff. I mean, you, you want those guys to come to your school, but – you know, everybody has to make their own decisions based on what they feel is best for them. And, yeah, am I disappointed CJ's not a Bulldog? Yeah, I absolutely am. But I also understand it. I can't say that I like it, but I understand it. I think CJ Johnson has a big future ahead of him. I, to be honest with you, I think he's probably a better person than he is a player. You know, and he's a good player. But, uh, you know, put this guy on a presidential ticket someday. I mean, he's an extremely intelligent and articulate young man. Uh, just really kind of seized the long play. And it would have been easy to make that emotional decision. You know, I get it. I mean, if, if it had been one of my kids and they had an offer to go play sports at Mississippi State, there wouldn't be a decision to make. There'd be no need to go take an official visit anywhere else. There'd be no need to talk to any other coaches. I mean, yeah, it'd be cool for the experience. But, uh, you know, that un- oldest son of mine, you know, played college baseball. And I can assure you, if uh, if John Cohen had called and said, hey, listen, Ani, we've, uh, we've got an offer for you. And then he would have said, I commit. Uh, it wouldn't have mattered if it was an offer to play catcher or to be, uh, you know, a pitcher or to be a guy that shagged, uh, you know, fly balls in the outfield. He would have loved to have been a bulldog. There would not have been a decision to make. But, uh, you know, some guys have other options and, uh, you know, other guys have to kind of work through that process. But uh, I don't think C.J. Johnson is a difference maker on the football field. I do think he would have been a good player at Mississippi State, uh, and I wish him the best at Northwestern. I, I do, and I, I really am excited to see what C.J. Johnson does with his life, even beyond football. You know, what's going to happen to C.J.? And, you know, we won't watch it as closely, but I won't be the least bit surprised to find out, you know, 10 years from now that C.J. Johnson's working uh, on some big uh, cure for cancer. I mean, you know, he, he is a very well-put-together guy, and so, you know, and, and I still consider that guy, you know, part of our extended Mississippi State family. And a lot, a lot of people say, well, you know what, Steve, he's a traitor. I, I don't see it that way. And I think most Mississippi State fans look at it for what it is, is that this is a guy that academics are probably more important to him than athletics. And that should be the case for most people. But I think he has his priorities in line, and it didn't align with our needs. It didn't align with our interest. But, uh, you know, listen, there's no point having uh, you know sour grapes about all that and, uh, you know, wish him the best. All right, so let's get into this uh, Katravian Hargrove stuff. I know that's one of the things you guys are kind of waiting to hear. I don't want to wait this, make you wait too late in the show. So Katravian Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. That's right, the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year, and me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest. And we go up there, and just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just 
for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Like, maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing, the versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours too. Be sure and check them out. Tacovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink, and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom fitted for a new pair of Tacovas boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to Nerd Wallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year. Managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup. Putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. The nerds also explain the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Weekly financial check-ins with smart money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Ken Hargrove is going to be a blue shirt. And he says, Steve, what's a blue shirt? I'm about to explain it to you. So, you know, there's a the gray shirt, there's a red shirt, there's a blue shirt. There's different designations, you know, for recruits that are not, you know, active members of the roster and participating in ball games by being a blue shirt hargrove does not delay his enrollment but he does delay his signing so he did not sign his national letter of intent today or scholarship paperwork today that didn't happen so there are no recruiting protections you know i mean basically we're just going to have this gentleman's agreement between us and him but hey, you're going to be here and everything's going to be fine and we're going to be able to put you on scholarship this fall, but there's no protection to prevent another school from coming in and saying, you know what, we'll take you right now. Uh, So that's something that state's going to have to stay on top of. You can't just take the guy for granted. And uh, it's important to fully appreciate the fact that uh, nobody's going to respect that. Everybody that's interested in him is going to come back and kick the tires. So by being a blue shirt as opposed to a gray shirt, because, you know, a gray shirt would uh, delay their enrollment and come in January. A blue shirt, he will report with the team for fall camp. And so that's an important part, uh, part of this uh, process, is he still reports like everybody else. In addition to that, if he wants to come for summer school, 
un, until he gets put on athletic aid, he'll have to pay his own way. So here's the crux of the matter. Since he did not sign today, State retains that scholarship for 2021. So there are still two spots to work with with the transfer portal this spring. So if you can find two guys and come in that they'll, you know, could potentially play for you and be difference makers, whether it be JUCO guys or whatever, uh, you've got two spots to work with. Let's say we get into May and we haven't found two. Maybe we found one. Well, you can go out and have Hargrove sign a scholarship paperwork then. Then he can enroll in June on scholarship like everybody else and go through all-season conditioning. Let's say you get two guys and you get into fall camp. Well, you can still sign him in August after he enrolls in camp, and then that scholarship would count towards 2022. I know it's a little bit complicated, but here's the bottom line. Is that this all was explained to him prior to his commitment. This is our plan. You're going to report uh, for fall camp like everybody else, and uh, we're going to have you sign your scholarship paperwork then at the latest. You may sign in March. You may sign in May. But you're going to sign for sure no later than August. So we're going to have a scholarship for you. You're going to report. You're going to be a full participant in practice. You're going to be able to go to school. You're not going to have any issues with any of that stuff. But he just can't be announced as an official signee by Mississippi State until he signs his national letter of intent. So that's why the university didn't tweet out a graphic with him, you know, welcome to the family or have video, because until he signs a national letter of intent, he is still a recruitable athlete. He is still a guy that can be approached by other schools. And so since he's considered a potential, a prospective student athlete, the university is prohibited from commenting about his status. But I have worked the phones this afternoon, talked to everybody that I, that I can think of, and tried to get you guys some information to try to explain it. So to summarize... He is going to be part of the program. He is on board with the plan, and he will be on scholarship this fall. If he signs prior to August, he counts towards your 2021 scholarship numbers. If he signs after the first day of fall camp, he counts towards 2022. And so we had talked about signing two running backs in 2022. Well, with him in the boat, we may only sign one in 2022, unless somebody else leaves. And so... To break that down as simple as I can, it's really a matter of when he signs and when he goes on aid. At this point, not if he signs. Now, there are other schools that have continued to recruit him. It's not like this is, he was down to like this is his only option, and so I'll take this, and then if something else comes along. You know, because here's the deal. It, let's say he goes and signs with Louisiana Tech. Well, then he's going to enroll with them, you know, in August and take part in, in fall camp. And so – yeah, he might be able to go there in June, but would you sacrifice a potential career in the SEC to be able to go to school two months earlier? Yeah, I would say probably not. Probably not. Yeah, I could stay home and get a Louisiana Tech, and at one time he was a commitment to Louisiana Tech, and he backed off of that because that's not what he wanted to do. He thought he was good enough to play in the SEC. He's getting that opportunity, and so that's where we are. So there will not be a delayed enrollment. There will be a delayed signing. So, now, Mike Leach could wake up tomorrow and say, you know what, I don't like this plan, let's go ahead and sign the kid. And they can. But it is important to kind of understand that you're not going to see the university put anything out there until he signs a national letter of intent. Now, does Quatravian Hargrove make you a better football team this fall? Probably not. 
think he's going to need probably a redshirt year. But you've got a couple of guys out there that could potentially make you a better football team this fall. We need more competition at corner especially. And I don't know how much value is going to be in the portal, but it's nice to have options. So if we find two good options in the portal, we'll take them. If we don't, then we'll go ahead and put Hargrove on scholarship and bring him in in June. And so I know that I have probably talked about this you know, probably longer than you anticipated, but I want to make sure you understand nothing is wrong. Nothing is wrong. Mississippi State did not, you know, just spring this on the kid on National Signing Day. There's not a big surprise. It's not like there's a, you know, disappointment. You know, I'm sure he wants to go ahead and get this over with. But, uh, you know, he's good to go. And I think there's a big part of this. You know, to be honest with you, I wish we would have had and signed him. I think it's a weird deal for the kid. You know what I'm saying? It's a weird deal for the kid. It's like, yeah, and there's a plan in place. But, uh, you know, considering that State has, uh, you know, had some difficulties getting defensive backs back in December, and you, and you may remember State dropped a couple DBs and Brendan Tolles and Mizell Williams that signed with Southern Miss and uh, Georgia State, respectively. And that's probably the caliber of players they are. They're probably both G5 guys. But you drop those guys, and then you're not able to replace them in December. And then you lose MJ Daniels on top of it. And so then you're left with basically one DB. Now we bounce back and we get, uh, you know, Green from Texas. And so that's a step in the right direction. But then, then there's like half a dozen guys that we're chasing. Uh, you know, you send contra- uh, scholarship paperwork to uh, the Caden Bridges. He signs with Auburn. You send scholarship paperwork to, uh, you know, Darian Craig. He signs with South Carolina. And so, you know, we're swinging and missing on some of these corners. So we've got to do a better job. And so there's no guarantee that you're going to be able to go find two guys in the portal that are, that are capable of playing here at a high level. As I said before, I'd rather have nobody than just have a body. Simple as that. Because, uh, you know, when you just go get a body, they end up in a transfer portal and they become malcontents in the locker room because they think they should be playing when maybe they're not talented enough to play. So that's where the wiggle room works there. So you get him agreed to this plan, Hargrove and his family are on board with this, they sign. That's not to say that Louisiana Tech won't call up and say, oh, they don't really want you, you know, we'll let you sign today. And listen, that could absolutely happen. That could, that could absolutely happen. So that's why Eric Mealy and uh, you know, Mike Leach and the staff are going to have to kind of stay on top of that to ensure that there is no, uh, you know, no cold feet or any misgivings about the arrangement. Because you can say, you know what? Mississippi State's not obligated in this deal. Then they're not obligated until there's a national letter of intent signed or an, an SEC scholarship signed. But by the same token, Katravian Hargrove is not obligated to Mississippi State. There's no protection here. So you're going to have to continue to recruit him. You can't take him for granted. you got to work through this process and you look at it and say, you know what? Um, you know, th- it all might come into focus here for us in a couple of weeks or it may be a few months. But uh, there is a plan in place. And if you're able to kind of park him right now while the traffic clears with the DBs and the transfer portal, that's a good job by your staff. I do think it's a big risk, though. I think you got to be smart with this. But at the same time, he is a bit of a luxury player at a luxury position for us. He's a big-time running back. Not that we utilize running backs in a traditional way. But let's say that he decided to leave. It's not going to make or break us. But I think he's so good you don't want to pass on him. You get him in, kind of get him going and then uh, kind of see what he can become. So that's where we are. He has accepted a blue shirt opportunity at State. 
that's going to become more commonplace in the years ahead, not just at Mississippi State, but around the country. And so I know that is a new term, so I wanted to take some time to explain it as best I could. I've got a message board thread set up over on Gene's page. If you're a jeanspage.com member, and you darn well should be, if you have a question about this process, go ask me in the thread, and I'll get you an answer. If I don't have an answer, I'll get you an answer. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I was a little confused about the term myself a little bit earlier. So I reached out to some people that uh, have a little more expertise in the matter to kind of make sure that I could articulate this to you guys, you know, with some level of expertise. You know, because you know, there's no point in convoluting the issue here and uh, kind of getting people out here. And, 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 and you throw these terms at people and people don't fully appreciate that. But uh, I wanted to kind of work through this and take some time to detail this thing out because of the fact that um, this is kind of uncommon for Mississippi State. So there you have it. Ty Cooper is in. Katravian Hargrove is sort of in. Not officially in just yet, but still in uh, with the Bulldog plan. Today's top ten list brought to you by Dr. Robert Yarber of the ENT Physicians of North Mississippi. Are you having ear, nose, and throat problems? Chances are. It might be something more than just seasonal allergies. You need to go back and get that checked out. If your person's having chronic problems with this, whether it be you, your kids, whatever, uh, it's time you gave Doc a call. That's what he specializes in. He's a guy that's committed to your community in Tupelo and, and certainly here in Starkville. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with those guys, let me just tell you this. You can go check them out uh, in both Starkville and Tupelo. They're at 910 Stark Road in Stark, Vegas and 618 Pegram Drive in Tupelo. To get more information and to put an end to all those ear, nose, and throat problems, because if you've got that post-nasal drip, it kind of stays with you, it, it might be something more serious. Give them a call at 662-844-6513. Again, that's 662-844-6513. 662-844-6513. Dr. Robert Yarber at ENT Physicians of north mississippi one of the best things about this too is uh you know they're going to be supporting och if you're in starkville you know what i'm talking about you know the county owns that hospital and so anytime somebody's working there and kind of providing some services there it's a great thing for our community and a great thing for the hospital so again it's dr robert yarber with ent physicians of north mississippi all right, today's top 10 list, we're going country. As I told you guys, I think Wednesday is going to be our country day. I, I, I feel good about that, uh, country western on Wednesday. And uh, you guys have been great, man. It's uh, Listen, you get the, Roy gives me these numbers, and, and it just boggles my mind to think uh, how many of you guys are checking out those lists. And I get so many people that message me and say, you know, Steve, I, I've been adding these songs to my Spotify. Some I didn't know, some I'd forgotten. Well, this is a band here. This is a legendary country music band. And uh, I loved them when I was a kid. Matter of fact, I had their debut album. I can visualize that album. I'm sure it's back in my room back home now. But one of the cool things I thought is, you know what? These guys are country music guys, but uh, they got longer hair. They got mullets, man. They got mullets like me. And so it wasn't, you know, like the old uh, traditional uh, guys with their hair cut up to their ears. But we're talking about those boys from Alabama. That's right. Alabama loved them. Randy Owens, an incredible songwriter. These guys have written and performed some of the most memorable songs in modern-day country music. And they're not, listen, 
you're not going to catch Randy Owen in a pair of bedazzled jeans and a jacked up, uh, you know, beat up truck with a lift kit and that sort of stuff. And you know, got that extended antenna on the back with no CB. You know what I'm talking about. You know those cowboys all hat and no cattle. That's not Randy Owen. He's a real deal, man. Love these tracks, and uh, I think I have some credibility because I've actually had some Alabama albums. So uh, put some respect on the name there. But here are my top ten Alabama songs. Number ten, Southern Star. Probably didn't get the airplay as a lot of the big hits did, but, man, it's a great tune. I love the arrangement on that. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's one of those songs, too, that's about going home. Number nine, and uh, man, we've all been here, right? We've all been here. Maybe some of you guys are better off than me. But number nine is Old Flame. There's an old flame burning in your eyes that tears can't drown and makeup can't disguise. And, you know, he gets a little deeper in the song, and he goes, you know, all I know is uh, that's burning brighter than any spark I might have started in your heart, you know. Um, you know, every girl out there has got some exes, Right? Got to learn if you can live with all that stuff. But uh, that's a great track. One of the earlier hits, too, from them. Number eight, I Feel So Right, another relationship song, you know, by getting together with the right person. Dig that one a lot. I believe this next one, number seven, if I'm not mistaken, this was the first single off that debut album, and it's Love in the First Degree. Great tune, uh, and it's a great groove, too. You know, a lot of these country music songs at times uh, – you know, it gets a little bit distracting sometimes. There's a lot of instrumentation. Sometimes they overuse the steel guitar. That's one of the things that uh, I think Alabama does a good job with. But uh, Love in the First Degree, that was a huge radio hit for them. Number six is they got a little bolder in their songwriting, and they knew right where their, their audience was. And so they came out with the song Born Country. Because you knew that everybody was going to love that. Like everybody in the South kind of feels that way, even if you were born in the city and lived in the – you know, if you lived near Walmart, rather than having to drive to Walmart, you felt like that you were still country folks. Uh, but Born Country, you know, that's that's an anthemic song for country folks. Number five, a great song that tells a great story. Um, 40-hour week for a living. If you work a 40-hour week for a living, just to send it on down the line, it's kind of a tribute to all those blue-collar, nine-to-five, uh, night-shift people, everybody out there kind of working to keep this country moving and that's, yeah, that's kind of who Alabama is. You know, it's like the music of the, the common man, uh, especially in the South. Number four, this is one of those songs, too, when I was a kid. I think everybody in my, in my grade knew this song. And it's Roll On. You know what I'm talking about. You know, we're, in, you know, truck driver out there and they can't get a hold of him, whatever. And, uh, you know, roll on highway, roll on along, roll on daddy till you get back home. And, uh, and that was the thing. And Daddy was finally on the other end of the line. He wanted to know if everybody had been singing a song, you know. And even though none of us were the, the children of truck drivers, I mean, it's like you had a new respect for those guys. You're like, you know what, that's a tough deal. You know, now, it's, now the song may not be quite as important now with all the cell phone technology and that sort of stuff. But uh, I remember as a kid that song making a real impression on me. It gave me a real respect for those people that, you know, have loved ones that are out there traveling. And, and again, trying to keep this country moving and uh, away from their friends and family a lot. Number three, and I think these last three, you know, to me, you could make an argument that any of these three are number one. 
I believe my order is the correct order, but uh, you could make a case for all three of these. But number three, if you're going to play in Texas, you got to have a fiddle in the band. That lead guitar is hot, but not for a Louisiana man. You know what I'm talking about. It's a great song, and it's one of those, you know, knee-slapping, tap-your-foot, good-timing tunes, and that's what Alabama is more times than not. It's just those good, anthemic, country-music-type songs that, you know, kind of reminds you that life shouldn't be taken quite so seriously. Number two... Song, Song of the South, Sweet Potato my Pie and Shut My Mouth. I mean, it's like these songs, we all know the words to it. And, and I guarantee you this, buried in the recesses of your mind are the lyrics of these songs. And even if you haven't listened to them in years and years, you go put them on right now on your, on your playlist, you're going to be singing along in no time. Because these songs are so memorable. They're so well written. And uh, for many of us that grew up in the South, I mean, it was, you know, this is what you heard everywhere you went. Everybody loved them. Everybody had an Alabama shirt. Even us Mississippi folks, even though there's a part of us, we're like, I'm not going to support the Crimson Tide. But you know what? That Randy Owens guy, I like that song. But number one, I think everybody knows this one. It's Mountain Music. Played me some Mountain Music. Loved that song. And uh, some of the lyrics don't make a lot of sense to me, I guess because I grew up in the uh, in the neighborhood. But... It kind of reminds me of being from South Mississippi. We don't have any mountains in South Mississippi. I guess the closest thing we had in my hometown is Red Bluff, right? But the values in that song and those memories are very consistent with what we were all brought up with. So play me some mountain music like Grandma used to play. Love it, and uh, you will too. And this was a, a fun list, as much fun as the... Uh, power ballads one was on monday or tuesday excuse me this one was fun for a different reason because it takes me back to my childhood it takes me back to you know i remember uh you know some friends of ours that lived out in sandy hook mississippi and i remember uh joel boone having mountain music on cassette and i remember going in his room we had we had been over there and you know with seeing some friends and whatever and he was still asleep after being that on Friday night, we, we couldn't wait for him to wake up so we could listen to Alabama on cassette on his stereo because he had a great stereo. But uh, I hope these songs take you back a little bit and invoke some good memories in your life. Uh, go check it out today, Top 10 Alabama Songs on Spotify. We're going to have some, uh, some urban legends on Friday. Looking forward to that list too. Roy and I have kind of gotten some plans together for the next couple of weeks. We kind of talk it through, and I say, who haven't I done? Oh, we hadn't done this one. Oh, no, we had this going to be great. So we're kind of planning these things out, and uh, I'm really excited about Friday, and you will be too, because this is going to be one of those bands too that uh, I think the next two Fridays, that's going to be perfect weekend music for you. When you're driving home, these next two bands on Friday, you're going to be like, you know what? What a great way to wind down after listening to the Boneyard is putting that list on. I'm not going to tell you who the bands are, but you're going to be really, really impressed. And every one of you is going to have favorite songs for both of those bands, no matter where you're from, uh, no matter where you went to school, no matter how much money you make, uh, no matter what the race box says on your driver's license. On, I'm telling you, the next two Fridays are going to be good time and Fridays for all of us. Are you struggling with credit card debt? Chances are you are. Many of you probably have... You know, credit card in your wallet that you said I'm only going to use for emergencies and you end up using it, you know, when you go out or you, you, you probably overuse it, probably scared to send, uh, you know, anything more than the minimum balance because you can't afford it. 
probably scared to even look at the balance when the statement comes, right? You just kind of pay the minimum and move on. If you've been avoiding that debt, it's time to confront it. Upstart, our friends at Upstart can help you face it and finally pay it off. You probably feel like you're drowning in a mountain of that stuff with no end in sight. Last year showed us that you never know what life's going to throw at you, right? And if you use credit cards to pay for unexpected expenses, it can be overwhelming to manage it. Take control with upstarts. You know exactly what to expect. You can take charge of that. If you have multiple credit cards, you know that tracking multiple balances, due dates, logins, all that's it's stressful. It's an absolute headache, right? Upstart makes things simple with one monthly payment in one place. It's a fast, easy way to get a personal loan to pay off your debt all online. Whether it's paying off credit cards, consolidating high-interest debt, whether it be installment loans or revolving debt, funding your personal expenses, over half a million people have used our friends at Upstart to get a simple fixed monthly payment. That's right, a fixed monthly payment rather than having some revolving debt. It's a different payment every month. Upstart finds smarter rates with trusted partners because they assess more than just your credit score. You know, a lot of people out there, it's already look at your FICO score, and it's like, well, you're a bad person because you don't, you don't fit our matrix. Go to Upstart, and there is a five-minute online rate check. You can use rate check. You can use right up front uh, from one up to $50,000. Loans from $1,000 up to fifty grand. You can get approved the same day and receive your funds as fast as one business day. What could be easier than that? If debt's taking over your life, it's time to get a fresh start with Upstart. Find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments today and put more money in your pocket instead of in somebody else's. Go to upstart.com slash boneyard. That's upstart.com slash boneyard. Don't forget to use our URL to let them know that we sent you. Loan amounts will be determined based on your credit, income, and certain other information provided in your loan application. Take charge today of that credit card debt at Upstart. Again, that's upstart.com slash boneyard. All right, let's talk a little bit about recruiting rankings. You know, that's the thing that everybody is all excited about. And I think it's important, too. We had this discussion on Gene's page, and sometimes I get a little spirited in those discussions. I really do. And uh, part of it is I think, you know, sometimes people are kind of willfully ignorant. You know what I'm saying? There's just some people at times that, uh, you know, we're kind of excited about whatever we're talking about, even if it's not rooted in fact. And uh, some could say that about all of us at some point. But uh, Mississippi State right now ranked number 25 in the country in the 247 sports composite team rankings. 24. Now, why is that significant? Well, the first thing that I'll tell you is it would be the first top 25 recruiting class in Mike Leach's career. We have flirted with that multiple times during this process. But what happens on signing day is what matters most. It's kind of like playing a football game. It doesn't matter what the halftime score is. Who did you sign? It's not who you had committed back in September. Who did you sign in December and February? So as it stands today, Mississippi State with a national ranking of 25. Uh, let, me, let me backtrack a little bit here on that too. There are three players that are not giving us any rankings so whatsoever. Three signees, the transfers, Randy Charlton, Makai Polk, and um, uh, you know Jalen Green. And so eventually they, those guys will be ranked, and there will be a final ranking. And nobody will reference that other than us in the industry because all people care about is what's happening on National Signing Day. So you could see Mississippi State move up in the final adjusted rankings that include transfers. So – I think it's important to kind of understand that the current ranking does not reflect the true quality of the class. 
So you're already at 25, and you have room to kind of move up a little bit later. Let me run some numbers here for you because I think it's important for everybody to understand. Last year's class, the class of 2020, 28th in the country. 28th. The 2019 class, 24. 2018 class, 27. 2017 class, you're familiar with that one, right? 24. 2016 class, 28. Let's go back a little bit longer here. I'm not going to do this all day, but I'll, I'll share what I can. 2015, Dan Mullen's best class, 18. 2014 class, 36. 36. Let that sink in for a second. 36. 2013 class, 24. 2012 class, 22. And so I say all that to say this. One of the knocks on Mike Leach is like, oh, you know, well, they never recruit well, and you know, they're not going to be able to do this, and we're, we're not going to be able to get the same level of talent. So here we are right now at 25. And, again, without three players even ranked, right? And then we're, we're right where we normally are. We're right there in you know, the low to mid-20s. And so let's take that in its proper context. You had a global pandemic. You had a very shallow talent pool in state this year. And you've had basically a culture shift. You've had a change in offensive and defensive philosophy. And yet you still managed to get a top 25 class. With some upward mobility once the transfer rankings are put in, right? And so I think it's important to kind of understand that there are some you know, some assumptions that people have made about Mike Leach and about his staff. Now, are there things we can do better? Without question. And this is a huge year in-state. We can't get beat to the punch on in-state kids. We, if there are guys out there that we want, we got to get out there first. We got to be the first offer. We got to make some things happen early. That's an important part of the process. You know, when, you're, when you're playing catch-up, and we saw it you know, with Caden Bridges, you know, I mean, even though he had a relationship with J.J. Pegues at Auburn, you know, if you, if you offer that kid two weeks ago, it might be a different outcome today. So you can't get beat to the punch on in-state kids. But I think when you look at this class in its totality, you begin to think, okay, you know what, we actually did pretty well. I said from the outset of the recruiting cycle that if we could get a top 30 class, considering how thin it was in state this year, that that would be a win. So we're going to call this a win. And when you begin to think about the fact it's the first in Mike Leach's career, uh, that's a win for Mike as well. And listen, Mike Leach is not at Orgeron. Mike's not Jim Moorhead either. And some of you would say, well, you know, thank God on both counts. But my point is that, you know, Joe was a guy of all the head coaches that I have covered was probably the most involved with recruiting. He loved recruiting and he wanted that loyalty to be to him. And that's why when, you know, when you had guys that would lead the class or lead the staff, you know, those kids stayed loyal to Mississippi State because Joe had such a relationship with them. You know, Dan was kind of hands off with a lot of the stuff. You know, he expected his guys to recruit, but he didn't make them recruit. You know, that's, you know, Sylvester Croom was a guy that uh, kind of got up to speed late, 
but was great in the living room. You know, but Mike is one of those guys, too, that you know, he's not ate up with recruiting. Now, what I'm told, too, when it comes to quarterbacks, there's no point in anybody else watching film on quarterbacks because Mike's going to find his guy. He knows exactly what he's looking for. But he empowers his assistant coaches. He empowers his recruiting staff to extend offers. Uh, you know, it's, you know they, they all watch film and everybody puts their grades in. You know, should we offer, should we not? Is he a camp kid or whatever? Well, he empowers those guys. You know what? Go ahead and make an offer. Go ahead and do it. Then we'll get together as a staff and decide if we want to take them. But I fully believe that, uh, you know, the best is kind of yet to come when it comes to this recruiting thing with Mike Leach because, number one, you know, we're selling a promise right now rather than production in Starkville. You know, Mike, of course, has a pedigree of uh, winning football at some places that have been very difficult to win. And so I think that's a, that's a, a part of the deal. But I think it's also important to understand that uh, Mike has never had, you know, this much access to Power 5 talent. So what's he going to do with SEC talent? It's going to take a little while for that to happen. But I, I feel good about the class. I, there are still a couple of holes to fill. I'm not happy with corners. And I think we all kind of feel the same way. And so there's still some room for us to kind of to move around there and have some upper mobility there as well. But, uh, you know, we've got to use these two spots that are available to us and uh, at least go get a corner, potentially two corners. And, you know, we don't need a starter. We need a two-deeper. But I, I don't want a guy that's content to come in here and be a two-deeper. I want a guy that says, you know what, that kid's that Emmanuel Forbes kid is good, but I think I'm better. I'm going to go out there and compete. I'm going to go take some snaps from that guy. And you know what, that's going to make him better and Emmanuel Forbes better and make our team better. I don't want a guy that's content to be a special teams guy. I don't want that guy. There's enough of those guys in the world already. You know, I want a guy that wants to come in here and take over and, and be on the media guide someday. That's the, the kind of attitude you need to have. But, uh, but, again, I think when you look at this class right now, I think you can feel good about the fact that despite some very difficult circumstances, we're still able to get a top 25 class. I'm excited about it. You should be as well. I think on paper this offensive class is as good as we've ever had. People say, Steve, that's, that's a bold statement. I think you go look at what we've done, especially at the skill position spots. Sawyer Robertson finishes second in the nation in passing yards in high school, second in the nation, playing in an air raid offense there in Lubbock. I'll take it. You go out and get this, you know, a class full of wide receivers that are uh, many of them with the raw talent, uh, you know, kind of above what you already have on campus. I, I'm, I'm excited about that too. You should be. Let's talk a little bit about Campus Bookmart, longtime sponsors of the show, man. You'll dig them. I dig them. You go by and see Stan and Man, he'll dig you too. They're like family, and they will treat you like family because, you know, in their minds, we're all one big bulldog family. That's how I see it. That's how Stan sees it, and that's how you should see it. Campus Bookmart has more than you'll ever need when it comes to Mississippi State-related merchandise. You can visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. Save you a little cheese here this time of year. That phrase is BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. Absolutely incomplete. You need, you need some more maroon and white in your life. There's nothing sexier than maroon and white. You know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah, you know, with few exceptions. 
Make yourself look better. Make yourself more attractive. Order some more maroon and white today. Let's talk a little bit about basketball today. Uh, You know, listen, like all of you, I watched that basketball game. I was really, really disappointed like all of you. I'm not going to belabor the point here. But, uh, you know, we blew it. I mean, it's like we got off to that great start. And uh, there was it was so many empty trips. It's like once we got a lead, I kept thinking, man, this lead isn't big enough. We got to keep pouring it on here. We got to keep pouring it on. We got to find a way to kind of bury these guys. You know, it's an 18 to five game, and then they kind of got lit up and got going, and we didn't match their intensity. I thought defensively we did a great job, kind of getting the game started, but once they adjusted in the second half, we really, really struggled to slow them down. It's 28-22 halftime lead, uh, you know, for Arkansas. Remember, it was an 18-5 lead for State, and then we get outscored, what, 23-4 the rest of the first half, and then they kind of picked up where they left off. We made a couple of runs there in the second half. You know, D.J. Stewart showed uh, some real moxie and some toughness trying to make this thing uh, a ball game. You know, we cut it within, uh, I guess, three a couple times maybe. But, uh, I mean, yeah, it's one of those things you look at and you say, man, this, this, this stinks. You know, I didn't expect us to go up there and beat Arkansas, but I thought, you know what, we got a chance to go play well. And I said that on Tuesday's show. I said I wouldn't be the least bit surprised to see us go up there and play well because we have been a good road team. Arkansas has not been dominant at home. And so I felt like, you know what, we have been playing some really tough teams. I don't think Arkansas is on the same level of basketball that uh, Alabama's been playing. You know, Tennessee's kind of been a little bit up and down in recent weeks. But, uh, you know, it felt like that was a game because of our recent success against them that we had a chance to go in there and steal. Well, they removed all doubt there in the second half. But, uh, you know, I I hear you guys, and I feel the same way you guys do too. I mean, this is not just a job for me. I mean, I, I, I kind of rise and fall, you know, with the Bulldogs just like all of you do. You know, we want Mississippi State to do well, not just because it's good for our business, but because we love Mississippi State. Offensively, we were a mess again, an absolute mess. And it seemed like the only time we could get anything going is just like on a mad scramble or something. Uh, Tolu Smith, your leading scorer, with 10 points. 10 points. We only scored 45, and he had nearly 25% of our production. Uh, DJ Stewart throws in eight um, four of ten from the floor. Iverson Molinar, one of his worst nights uh, from the floor as a starter, just six points, four of those coming from the free throw line. Didn't shoot enough, just one of four. Abdullah Du also one of four, pitches in two points. And uh, Devion Smith got the start, played 18 minutes, didn't score. So here we go, kind of running this thing down here. Three of your starters when a combined two for 11 just 11 shots from three starters that's not going to work that's absolutely not going to work we get into the bench a little bit Derek Fountain comes in off the bench uh Derek you know had some stroke early and, and I want things for sure he's not scared to shoot it goes out there two or seven from the floor hits a couple of threes makes a free throw pitches in seven points pull down four rebounds you know coach get him in the game more uh, Quentin Post, I thought, played hard when he was in the game. He only had 15 minutes. Uh, you know, two of six from the floor. Makes a couple of uh, – pardon me, two of uh, – yeah, two of six. Both of those were threes. Pulls down a couple of boards. You know, I like the fact that he's kind of that stretch player that can kind of get guys out of the paint. But we got to crash the boards behind him. Jalen Johnson back in a reserve role again. Just 14 minutes of action and, uh, and six points. But, uh, you yeah, know, listen – 
I don't know what's going on. I, I don't. I, I've tried to figure it out, and uh, I just can't. I, you know, I know we're probably shaking lineup up a little bit, trying to find some some offensive flow, but what we're doing offensively is not working, and uh, I think that is apparent to anybody that's paying attention. And uh, let me just run down these numbers here before we kind of move on here. You know, we had the big offensive explosion against a really bad Iowa State team that was missing some players. But, uh, you know, you lose at Tennessee with just 53 points. You did get 73 at Alabama. And then 46 against Ole Miss, 72 against Florida, and then 55, you know, against uh, A&M. And so, you know, when I run these – when I go look back these last few weeks, it's like, you know, when we, when we get in these ball games in the 50s, you would think, okay, well, that's to our advantage because we can't win a shootout. Let's grind it out defensively and then, you know, kind of uh, grind out some offensive possessions and find some easy baskets. But we just simply don't have any flow on offense. And it, it, it never seems that we're setting up anything. I mean, it's like we're just out here calling plays. And I don't get it. And uh, I don't know what to tell you the rest of the way. I know we're 10-9 and nine now, and I said, you know, if we can find a way to get to 500 – you know, I think that there's there's probably some things you look at and say, you know what, we might be okay. We have to go win this Saturday uh, at South Carolina. You know, they're they're ready to fire Frank in Columbia. I mean, their their fans a lot like our fans. We're almost like mirror programs of them uh, athletically in many respects. But uh, you know, South Carolina not happy at all with uh, Frank Martin. We got to find a way to go down and, and win that ball game. And it's one of the things too. When you begin to look at the schedule, you get South Carolina twice. And so you're trying to get to 500. That's got to be a couple. You got to pick up those those games. And uh, you got LSU coming in uh, next Wednesday. They're an athletic team, but uh, they're kind of up and down. And then you get Vanderbilt. So, you know, these next couple ball games, there are some winnable ball games. Uh, but you know, there's not a game on here you look at and say Mississippi State's definitely going to win this ball game. Even that Vanderbilt game. You know, we went up there and played at their place and uh, turned into a real, a real bit of a shootout up there. And uh, we had the game in hand, and next thing you know, they come roaring back. But, you know, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Uh, our friend uh, Brooks Bryan, part of a new residential complex here in Starkville, Portico. You guys have heard me talk about it before. I've had some other people tell me, you know, Steve, I'm really interested uh, in this Portico thing just because of the fact that, uh, you know, my next purchase, my next home I want it to be my final home. I, w- I want to be there and let that be it. This is where I want my kids to come back and, you know, go to Thanksgiving and all that sort of stuff. And so that's music to the ears of Brooks Bryan. Portico, brand new development, place where you can have your final home or perhaps your weekend getaway or place just to come to watch ball games. Right off Garrett Road behind the Hilton Garden Inn and the Chrysler Jeep dealership just over a mile from campus. Easy access to Highway 82 and 25. There'll be 51 houses total in the development with 18 houses in the first phase that are approaching completion. There'll be 33 houses in the second phase that'll begin construction in a few months. Houses will range in size from 1,300 to 2,000 square feet from two-bedroom, two-bath to four-bedroom, four-bath. So you got a growing family we got you taken care of. Portico includes a walking trail and a pavilion area. I've told you guys before, Brooks is a great guy. He's a friend of mine. They, they will take care of you. If you need more information, call Brooks. Let me give you his number here because uh, you probably want to ask him some stories about uh, Richard Lee anyway. Uh, the phone number is 601-416-8075. Again, that's 601-416-8075.
Speaking of baseball, we've had uh, virtual media days in Mississippi State the last couple of days. We're transcribing all that stuff, and it's all available on Gene's page. The overwhelming majority of it is free, so go check that out. You should be a subscriber, but if you're not, you can still go read the free content. Uh, there is a quiet confidence in Starkville, and that's what I want to hear. I, just talking to players, you know, nobody's out here, you know, running off at the mouth and saying, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. It's like, you know what, we believe in each other. We think we have a chance to be a great team. And as Logan Tanner told me yesterday, we want to win the final game. That's our, that's our only goal this year is we want to go win the final game. You know, the rest of it's kind of details along that path, right? Well, you know, we'd love to be able to win the conference. Yeah. We'd love to be able to host a regional. Yeah. We'd love to be able to be, to be a top eight national seed. Yeah. We'd love to be able to host a super regional. Yeah. We'd love to go to Omaha. But you know what? We've done all that before. That's not new hat for us. We've done every bit of that. And so the only thing left for us is to win it all. And so that's the goal. It's not just to host. It's not just to be a top eight national seed. It is to win a national championship. And that's why you come to Mississippi State. You don't come here just because of the you know, Duty Noble Field. That's not why you come. You come here because you're among the best players in America, and you're here, and your job is to go win a national championship. And that's what Logan Tanner is trying to communicate. You know, we're here to win the final game. We want to, we want to be the last team standing. You know, I think there's a lot of you know a lot of players on this team last year that felt like they were just beginning to really gel. You know, we won five in a row. And we had taken two from Texas Tech in the midweek, and we were getting ready to beat Arkansas and take control of the SEC West. And then they canceled the season on us. And I think there's a lot of people that feel like there's some unfinished business. I mean, let's be honest: Josh Hatcher, Rowdy Jordan, Tanner Allen—they all expected to be in minor league camps. They expected to be you know, hopefully get an invitation to you know spring training. They didn't expect to be here. So they get a bit of a mulligan. Tanner Allen, good year last year. Rowdy Jordan, good year last year. I think Josh Hatcher had, was on, on the verge of having a great year, probably a career-defining and perhaps a life-changing year at Mississippi State. That guy's exit velo is ridiculous. And so now we don't have to find a way to replace him. We get a chance to play with him one more time. Kind of got the band back together. You know, we had that great nucleus of guys that all kind of came in together as recruits. You know, Justin Foscue, Jordan Westberg are gone, but those guys, very high draft picks and a very abbreviated draft last year. But you got everybody else back. You got Spencer Price back. You got Riley South back. I've heard a lot about, you know, you know Frisco. I'm excited to see this guy pitch. Stinnett's another one. You know, we've got some arms out there, and there's some guys, again – there's some guys that names that you're not familiar with that by the end of the year, your kids are going to be wanting to say, you know, I want to go get their autographs. I want to get a picture made with this guy. That's going to happen. This is going to be a great baseball team, provided we can stay healthy. And the good thing is, you know, with these expanded rosters, we got a ton of depth. So it's not like if you lose a guy somewhere that, you know, your season's done. Had a chance today to uh, eat lunch with Frank Montgomery. Some of you will know Frank. Interviewed Frank. I'll eventually have a story on Gene's page about that. And I'm going to save the rest of it for the next Mississippi State book. How about that? Don't know what we're going to call that yet, but we'll work on that a little bit later. But, um, you know, Frank Montgomery, for those of you guys who don't know, Frank was a pitcher at State, late 50s, early 60s, and an All-American. Ended up playing minor league baseball for a while, pitched in the same era as Nolan Ryan and, uh, you know, Tom Seaver. 
Bob Gibson, some of those guys. I mean, you know, he, he, was, he was a dude. Still, to this day, Frank Montgomery is tied for the highest winning, percent, winning percentage in a season in Mississippi State baseball history. I had never met Frank. Frank actually liked a tweet of mine, and I'm very familiar with a lot of the Diamond Dogs on the, uh, on the record uh, charts. And so I reached out to him, and I said, Hey, are you Frank Montgomery? That was an All-American pitcher at Mississippi State. He goes, sure enough, I am. And I said, listen, I would love to interview you and kind of get to know your story. So Frank makes the drive to Starkville and uh, come and scoops me up, and we go, uh, we, you know, we, we go eat, and uh, we talk uh, baseball. And I, one of the things that I asked him is, you know, you know, what was that acclimation period like, you know, and you know, kind of moving up from Jackson Murray High School to Mississippi State. And, of course, they had freshman baseball back then, so it wasn't quite the jump you know, that some other guys might have had today. But he talked about how Mississippi State baseball and the game of baseball became his identity, that everybody knew him for being that great pitcher for Mississippi State. Shared some great stories about, you know, pitching against Bobby Cox, Atlanta Braves manager Bobby Cox, out in Montana in the minor leagues. Talked about that at length. Talked about pitching to Jake Gibbs, you know, at Ole Miss. Interestingly enough, you know, Jake Gibbs was, a uh, you know, basically like the old Mrs. Bo Jackson. And if you don't ask, you don't believe me, ask them. But uh, Frank goes out there as a sophomore and uh, shuts him down and beats him nine to one. And I asked him, I said, what does it feel like to beat Ole Miss? And he just kind of leaned back and he smiled and he said, it's the greatest feeling ever. It's the greatest feeling ever. Uh, Frank and those guys didn't get to go to Omaha. We didn't go to the first time until 1971. They didn't win in a conference championship. But Frank Montgomery put up some numbers that even the modern-day baseball players have had difficulty reaching, some milestones. Uh, and he jokes, I said, you know, Frank, what was your secret to success? He goes, yeah, I guess those guys were those wooden bats, right? Uh, but the bottom line is he could throw three pitches for strikes. And uh, it is my honor to have a chance to visit with people like that and tell their stories because their stories matter to me because I know those stories matter to you. And one of the things that we do a better job of, probably than most, when it comes to baseball, we honor our legends here at Mississippi State. And so anytime that we get a chance to kind of earn some knowledge and learn some things about baseball before, and, you know, uh, he was recruited by Paul Gregory. And, you know, back in those days, it was life was a lot uh, simpler, but it was also very difficult to communicate. And it was simple as this. He got a letter in the mail one day from Paul Gregory, and it says, hey, if you'd like to play baseball at Mississippi State, we have a scholarship for you. And that was the end of it. You know, it's like, so you're writing back, and then two days later, after the letter comes in, they come down and they sign you. There was no national signing day. It's like, yeah, I'm ready to sign. They come to the house, meet your mom, your dad, and have you sign some paperwork, and you're Mississippi State Bulldog. I love hearing those stories. They talked about, you know, playing for an SEC championship, and we lost two games to one to Florida. The difference in a ball game is we had a player hit a line drive that hit the Florida third baseman in the forehead with the bases loaded, and the ball pops sky high and the shortstop grabs at the end of the inning. That was the difference in us winning the SEC and not that one play. And so I share this with you guys because I think it's important to understand, to have some respect for our baseball program, and, and not just because of what's happened in our lifetime, but the fact that we have always been good at baseball. And there were a lot of people that went out there and represented the maroon and white that uh, doesn't have their names in a ring of honor. There are a lot of people out there whose names are not even really talked about. And Frank Montgomery is one of those. 
Frank Montgomery was an absolute dude at Mississippi State. He was the guy. And the fact that you know, you're looking at this now, right? You know, we're, we're, guys, we're talking you know, 60 years. And think about all the first-round draft picks that have come through here and pitched for Mississippi State, and then there's Frank Montgomery's name. 60 years later, we're still, you know, we're talking about Frank Montgomery on a podcast. And, you know, he may be a footnote in other people's history, but he is an important part of ours. And I think it's important that we honor those people and kind of recognize the fact that, you know, we did start playing baseball before 1985, contrary to what some people may believe. And this is a program that has been built and built and built. And uh, Frank nearly got a little emotional talking about this part of it. He goes, man, I'm just glad to have been a part of it. I'm just glad to have been a part of it. That our, our guys in the early 60s kind of set the table, you know, for those great teams of the 70s that finally broke through and went to Omaha. And then those guys were table setters for those great teams in the 80s and the fact that we were able to attract guys like Will Clark and Palmero and Bobby Thigpen. And then those guys took it to the next level. Then all of a sudden the guys in the 90s come in here and they're like they had the expectations for us to get to Omaha. And now we're back. You know, we kind of lost our way for a little while there in the early 2000s, but we're back. We're back to what Mississippi State baseball has always been. And so, listen, I hope you guys have had a great day today. I apologize for the lateness of the show, but with all the stuff going on with Hargrave until I got, you know, some real information for you guys, I didn't want to jump on here and just kind of be half-measured in our approach. If you hadn't done so, go to alphadogsbook.com, and you can order some great baseball tales and uh, read about those, including Rafael Palmero and Jake Mangum and many others, and Alpha Dogs. Alphadogsbook.com, you get personalized copies of Flim Flam, Stark Villains, and Alpha Dogs. Uh, baseball stories in both of those Bulldog books, for sure. If you're looking for Stark Villains gear, visit them at StarkVillains.com. You can get T-shirts and hoodies and uh, rep the brand wherever you go. That's going to do it for today. Thanks so much for your time and your patience. Look forward to talking with you guys again on Friday. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live.